Well, good morning, 180 Chicago. Come on, we can do better than that. Good morning. My name is Ajit Christopher, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's, it's an absolute privilege and joy to be here the last two weeks. I was actually at the downtown campus. We had a great time, but I've been eager to be here to get to see all of you, some known faces as well, uh, and uh, more importantly, just to look at God's Word together. It's going to be an awesome time. Thank you for being here. Uh, could we just bow down in a word of prayer as we get into God's Word? God, thank you. Thank you that we've been adopted into your family because of what your son did for us on the cross. And thank you the free, for the freedom that we have to be able to worship you in spirit as well as in this beautiful country, God. Um, and God, we just pray that you would speak to us through your word. We are here for an encounter with you. And we just pray, God, that you would encourage us through the scripture, that you would... Uh, Exhort us, convict us, God, in areas in our life where we need conviction. And we just ask you, God, through the power of your spirit, to transform us as well. We just give this time into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it was one of the most significant, career-defining, life-faltering days. And my hopes and dreams were going to be crushed. I was nearing the end of my visa interview to come to the United States, and it wasn't going well. In fact, it was a disaster. Just to back up and give you some context, it was the year 2012, so 11 years ago, I had graduated school a couple of years before that. I was working for a missions organization that my parents had founded. I loved doing what I did. I had to travel around the country a little bit, go to the mission post, and just see the awesome work that God was doing in predominantly Hindu and Muslim uh, communities. But then even when I was there, I felt that tug in my heart that you know what, maybe I need a little bit more formal theological ed education. I need to know how to handle God's word and also be able to communicate that well. So I want to go to Bible school. And it was almost serendipitous how I stumbled onto Moody Bible Institute. You know, I loved reading biographies of missionaries and I was reading the you know, biography of D.L. Moody and man, this guy was just awesome. He was just a simple man, did you know? His grammar was so bad that his wife had to proofread his sermons, yet he shook the city of Chicago. That's what God can do when one man is wholly surrendered to him. And so I'm so inspired by this life, and I go, you know what? I love this guy. And then at the end of the biography, it says he started a school called Moody Bible Institute. And I go, man, that's where I want to go. And so I applied, and I got in. The final hurdle was to get my visa to come to the United States, so I set up an interview with the U.S. consulate back in my hometown in Chennai, India. I had a month to prepare. I had probably this much documentation proving why I wanted to be here, if I had sufficient funds and all of that. But this interview was make or break, two to three minutes of questioning that decided the trajectory of my life. So the day off, I'm nervous. You know, my whole family to support me, they come along with me. Uh, they couldn't get into the consulate, so it was just me alone, so they just stayed in a 
restaurant nearby and I go in and I was really taken aback by the security. It was way more than what you would see at the airports down here. So I go get passed through security. They take me to another room and they want my biometrics now. So I give them my fingerprints, get a picture of uh, my face, a retinal scan or whatever that is. And then they take me to uh, a courtyard and then we go into this other room. It's almost like our local DMV. A bunch of sta stations with people being interviewed. So I go get my number and then I'm seated and I'm nervous. And I look, you could see those being interviewed, some of them are so happy. They have this glow on their face knowing that they've got their visa. They're going to the United States and some of them bursting into tears because they've been declined. And my turn comes up, I'm nervous. I go up to this guy, an Indian American, probably in his early 40s, smart guy. And he goes, why do you want to go to the US? And I go, well, I want to pursue theological education, I want to study the Bible. He goes, what is that? Why would you even do that? And then I go, well, I work for a missions organization. I'm like, what? What, what is that? What is missions? And I go, well, uh, I was really taken aback. You know, I thought it was just going to be a, at least, the least you could expect is some courtesy, right? In terms of questioning, and I did not get that. So here am I fumbling and uh, trying to like, you know, just get it all together to even answer this guy. And he goes, well, we plant churches. And he goes, what a stupid thing to do. And I go, oh, this is it. <laughs> Goodbye, United States. I'm done. You know? And he asked me for, you know, he asked me another question. I don't even remember what it is. And I go, and I look at my documents to give him something. And he goes, I don't need those documents. Just, just answer my question. I go, my mind's racing now. I'm like, God, you know, I thought you called me to go to the United States. This is on you. This is the worst that could possibly go. So if I do get it, I know it's just you. And it's not me, but let your will be done. And then he goes, you can come and collect your visa in two days. I go, what? And he goes, you can come and collect your visa. It's literally this route. You can collect your visa in two days. I go, okay, and I just walk back wondering what just happened, right? This was a decisive moment in my life, and, and the odds were literally stacked against me. I didn't think I would get it. And I had promised God, I said, I was happy where I was. I knew God was leading me to new ground, but I was happy. I said, God, if this is your will, it's one and done. I go and apply. If I get in, I know it's your will. If it's not, it's not. And I almost thought that it was not. You know, but with God, nothing is impossible if it's in His will. I'm sure many of you can look back at different points in your life where God did something incredible. It doesn't have to be a visa interview, you know, moving to another country, but situations, circumstances where you felt all hope was lost, but then God shows up and does something incredible could be a specific transformation you know he freed you from something that you thought you would never ever get victory over but it could be a miraculous provision where you needed something and god comes through at the 11th hour or it could be a restored relationship with your spouse with your family with your 
kids or even with the church as a whole. And every one of us, we've gotten to experience, I hope, the miracle of salvation where God took us from the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light, a decisive turning point in our lives. Psalm 77, 14 beautifully puts this, where the psalmist says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. We're currently in a series going through the book of Joshua. The series is called New Ground, Taking Hold of God's Promises with Enemies All Around. And today we're going to look at a dramatic episode in Israel's history, a miracle that takes them finally into the promised land. And we're going to look at what this story means for us today. We're going to be parked in Joshua chapters 3 and 4. We're not going to read both these chapters, but we're going to look at some of those important verses uh, in there. But a little bit of context before we read. The children of Israel are at the edge of the promised land. The end of chapter, the end of uh, the book of Deuteronomy, Moses dies. God raises Josh, Joshua to be the leader. He tells he promises success and prosperity to Joshua as long as, you know, Moses is, Joshua is obedient uh, to the word of God. And then in chapter 2, Joshua sends spies to scout out the promised land. And they come back with a favorable report. This is what the spies say. They say, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So God is at work. They know that they're going to go into the promised land. And that's where the narrative picks up in, in Joshua chapter 3. I'm going to start from verse 2. So if you can follow along with me, it's going to be in your screen. Or if you could follow along in your physical Bibles, that would be great too. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begun, begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand, stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, 
And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. We go to verse 15. So the people obey that. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. There's just a parenthetical quote here, just highlighting the fact that this was not a good time probably to cross that Jordan. Jordan would have been about 100 feet wide and about 5 to 10 feet deep, but it was harvest season, so it's overflowing in all its banks. Probably it's fast. The current is probably it's going to sweep you away. But God does a miracle. Verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. And then in chapter 4, God commands Joshua to take 12 men to go into the Jordan, take 12 stones as a sign and a memorial to what God did. And so the people do that. They pass, all of Israel passed the Jordan in haste. And then we pick it back up in verse 19 of chapter 4. The people came out out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask, ask their fathers in times to come, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. What an awesome story of God's power and presence imagine with me imagine seeing a heap of water piled up and you're walking on dry land and the closest we can come is maybe go to the Mississippi here and see that humongous body of water being subject to the power of God and these waters are piled up in a heap and you walk right through just an awesome demonstration of God's power of God's presence. And you know, this story, as much as it's a demonstration of God's power and presence, it's also a story of God's faithfulness. In Genesis 17, God promises us a land to Abraham. And after 400 years of captivity, after many years, God remembers, still remembers his covenant and leads the children of Israel into the promised land. What does this story mean for us today? I want to quickly give you uh, four implications, four things that we can apply in our lives. So what do we do when God calls you to new ground? And this new ground might be a step of faith that God is asking you to. It might just be, you know, a season where God is asking you to take a step of faith at work or with 
your relationships or with besetting sins that have held you back. God wants you to move to a new ground. And that's what we're going to look at today. What do we do when God calls you into new ground? Firstly, stay close to God and experience the impossible. The main character in the story is not Joshua. It's not the priests who are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It's not even the people who obey whatever God asked them to do. It is God himself. He speaks directly to Joshua. He gives them the strategic plan to enter the promised land, and he fulfills the mission. He leads them into the promised land. And the most visible sign of God is in this chapter, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most sacred possession that Israel had that testified to the fact that the God of heaven and earth was with his people. And you see, it's God who performs the miracle. The Jordan only pardoned when these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the river, signifying God's presence. And then when they get out of that river, closes back up. The crossing of the Jordan is possible only because of God. It is only the presence of God that makes the promises of God possible. It's God's presence makes the promises possible. As New Testament believers, we have unfettered access to God's presence. We don't live in the Old Testament anymore, but we need someone to mediate God's presence to us. When Jesus died on the cross, the, t the veil in the temple was torn. And now the Holy Spirit of God, God dwells within us. God dwells in each one of you. I love this verse in Hebrews 4. It says, because Jesus is our great high priest who empathizes with our weakness, the author says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Because of what God has done, we can approach His throne, His presence with confidence it is God's presence that makes a difference in our lives. It makes the promises of God possible. So I encourage you, don't despair. If you have an area of your life where you feel you want to move to new ground, God is leading you there, yet you feel you can't do it, it's not about you. It's what God is going to do through you, and it's His presence that's the deciding factor. It's all that matters. Stay close to God and experience the impossible. Secondly, offload everything that you know will hold you back. This miracle here required a time of preparation. In Joshua 3, 5, Joshua says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you will see the wonders of of God, And that's been the pattern in all of the Old Testament. When God was going to do something amazing, He asked the people to consecrate themselves. And that included, you know, ritual washing, clean dietary habits, and even making some purifying sacrifices. 
But we don't have to do that because Jesus did that for us on the cross. Jesus' death accomplished that for us. In Titus 2, it says that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people. So he does the work of purification. But there's an action that's involved in our part, and that's, that's seen in 1 Peter chapter 1, where Peter says, As obedient children, do not be confirmed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Moving on to new ground requires us to offload things that hold you back. And the Holy Spirit of God lets us know what that is. We don't need anyone to tell us. God impresses on our hearts those sins and weights that ensnares us, that hold us back from moving forward. About five years ago, almost to the day, my wife and I, we finally uh, went on a vacation to Europe. It was our dream vacation. We, after our honeymoon, we'd been married about six years. We hadn't done anything. So we're like, we got to do something, you know, just you and I before, you know, we had kids. So we planned for this vacation in May of 2020, and it almost didn't happen. We all know what happened March of 2020 with COVID and everything being shut down. But it was totally God, you know, it was October 2019. We, we were planning for this vacation the month of May, but then... My wife, you know, she looked at me and she goes, we have two weeks open in December. Why can't we just do it now? And I go, well, we can try. I go, it's going to be hard because, you know, I still have to apply for a visa. I don't have a you know, U.S. passport. So I got to, again, go through the process. So I go through, you know, get all the documentation that I need, and I get the visa to go to Europe. And, you know, it was funny. I give them all the documentation for this visa, and then they give me, they approve my visa on a conditional basis where they said I had to basically return receipts of everywhere, every hotel that I ate, or else I would be banned from entering Europe again. I'm like, what is this? Which I did, and I'm not banned, so that's good, <laughs> you know. But we had a decision to make. You know, every time my wife and I, we've traveled, even when we've gone back to India, we try to use every luggage space that the airline gives us. So if it's two bags per person, man, we're getting four bags, you know, and we're gone. We're just packing it all in. And we go, well, if we wanted to travel around Europe, we need some flexibility. We need to be agile. We need to walk around. So how about just doing a backpack? And we go, man, that's going to be hard. We're not used to that. So we, you know, take it as a challenge. We get a backpack and try to fit just the things that we need to survive, to get through. And we did it. Three weeks, three weeks of vacation with just a backpack, just throwing aside every weight, everything that was not essential. It might be good, but it was, wasn't essential for that purpose, for that trip. What preparation do we need in our lives to experience the wonders of God in this season? What is God asking us? What is God asking you to lay aside even as he moves you into new ground? Thirdly, do whatever God tells you, even if it seems a little crazy. 
as you read these two chapters, you see the word commanded, commanded. It just is repeated over and over again. God commands and the people obey. And you see that, you know, people prepare for a miracle. Joshua commands the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant and go before the people. He does that. And then when they experience the miracle, God commands Joshua to send the priest into the Jordan River. And they do that and they experience the miracle. And then God asks them to remember the miracle, to record them, to collect those stones as a memorial. The people do that. And then God commands, completing the miracle, God commands them to leave River Jordan. And they do that and the waters close up. You see that pattern? It is not that God did not have the ability to perform this miracle without the Israelites' participation. God could have done it, irrespective. But you see here, it's obedience that opens the door for us to see the miracles and experience the power of God. When God tells us to do something, we do it in faith. We experience God's power. God work in our lives. And some of the things that God asked them to do here is a little crazy. Let me tell you. Like if I was leading an army of Israel going into the promised land, man, I'd have my best warriors out there with the best weapons as a show of might, show of power. But here, this is not a military procession. This is almost a religious procession with the priests and the Ark of the Covenant leading them. And what's more crazy is the miracle doesn't happen until these priests step into the river. You could, they could have stood along the shoreline as much as they wanted to, but that wasn't God's command. God wanted them to step into that river, that river that was overflowing in all its banks, banks so that they could experience the miracle that God had for them. And I don't know if you're like me, but you're probably not. This is the craziest thing that I would never do. Like me and water, we don't get along. Like I grew up, I grew up in, this, in, in my country where you know, I didn't have access to swimming pools. I didn't get into my first swimming pool until I was 19. I am not a good, good swimmer. In fact, my family, my wife, every time we go on a Lake Michigan, she just jumps in and she can swim. And I'm like, I'm happy right here. You know, and her parents are state swimmers, so there's huge pressure for me to swim. And there was one time, you know, they went on this kayaking trip in the Michigan River, and I go with them, and you know what happened? I capsized in the middle of the river, <laughs> and I had to be rescued. So when, if, God, if God tells me, go and put your foot in that crazy river to be swept away, I go, no, I can't do that. I'm going to be swept away. I'm going to die. But the people did that, and they experienced the power of God. Finally, make markers to remind yourself and others of God's faithfulness. In this text, the miracle itself is amazing. It's, it's a great thing, what God did, parting the river, for people to walk through. And if these two chapters, if it was just recounting that event, it probably would take three verses. All that God, 
all that the you know passage the scripture needed to say is god asked them to do this they set foot on the river and then they passed and then everything closed great but there's two chapters devoted to this miracle the purpose of which is, is to highlight something that's very important for us to take home today when the crossing is over the crucial lesson comes about how should the people respond to this miracle so it's not just the miracle itself but what is the response of the people to this miracle and so god himself gives commands on how to do it in fact he says he wants it to be a memorial which is forever he wants people to remember it forever he wants it to be ingrained in their mind and god gives them a specific tangible way to do that he says take stones from the middle of that river and set up a memorial so that when your child when your children ask you what does that mean you tell them what god has done in your lives and what more this miracle was not just a demonstration of god's power but god says this miracle is proof that i'm going to give you victory over all the enemies and you're going to inherit the promised land let me read joshua 3:10 it's not going to be on your screen it says here is how listen to it carefully here is how you shall know that the living god is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you and list all of those people that he's and then he gives instructions of how this miracle is going to happen so it was not just the miracle itself god is saying this is how you will know that i am with you and i am going to give you victory over your future battles our memory is a funny thing even yesterday you know i had a rude reminder of that my wife sent me out on some errands i go up to where i put my keys my car keys and my house keys there in like one keychain i couldn't find it and so i'm on a time crunch i had lots of things to do you know even which included preparing this sermon spent about 10 minutes trying to figure out where my keys are and i'm agitated now you know and i and then i go into you know blaming someone else i go tell my wife Katie you know it's because of you if you hadn't done this 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 i would not have lost my keys and so she just looked at me and she goes huh and then i go okay just give me your keys i'm just going to go out and then i open the door and my keys are right uh, on the door and it was all it was right you know it was there from the previous night our memory is funny and i'm not sure about it this is how i am God's working. God does something amazing in my life, right? We're happy. I'm happy. I'm rejoicing. Want to give God all the glory. And then I come to the next trial and I forget what God did. You're asking God, why is this happening to me? This can we don't have any hope. We feel this is a battle that we're going to lose. discounting the fact that God 
won the battle in the past and he's going to help us get through this trial in the future. That's what God wants for us. God wants us to remember the victories that he has given in the past because his presence is with us and his presence promises victory. It's all about him that matters. Keep a record of how God shows up. Could be a gratitude journal. Just write down. Because our memories, we, we, we'll forget. We'll forget. Just have a list. Could be a journal. It could be in your computer. Of all the little things that God did for you and how he's going to come through in the future. So I got my visa. It was a joyous occasion. It was nothing but God. And the day came for me to leave the country. It was a really bittersweet day, you know, leaving behind family and friends, the only people that I knew. I remember uh, saying goodbye to my grandmother, and she goes, when am I going to see you next? I go, well, I have uh, funding to just pay my first semester, so if things don't work out, I will be here in December. And she goes, well, you know, that can't happen. You know, God can't put us to shame. He's taking you there for a purpose. So I come here, new culture, no family, no friends. You know, everything is new and nothing could have prepared me, you know, for that. And 11 years down the line, when I think back, I see the hand of God through it all. And if someone from the future came back when I was here, particularly the first year, which was very, very hard, and say, well, this is how your life is going to be in 2023, I would go, you must be kidding me. That's never going to happen. But God is faithful. I love that verse in Ephesians 3 where it says, He will do more that we can ask. He can do more that we can ask or imagine. You're in the hands of a faithful God who leads you. What is God calling you to do? What is the new ground that God is calling us to do? Not sure where you are today, what you are going through, what your circumstances are. But God is calling us forward. He wants us to experience abundant life. Give yourself to Him. Give your circumstance to Him. There's no limit for what God can do. Even as we conclude today, one thing we'd like to do here at 180 Chicago, the Word of God is not just meant to be heard, but applied. You know, you see the foolish builder and the wise builder in Matthew 7, the difference between them. Both of them heard God's words, but the one who did was like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storms hit it, he was safe. We call it turning point here. And I'd love for you to think through this this week. Discern the new ground God is calling you into and write it down. It doesn't have to be something big. It's just what is the next step of faith that God is asking you to take. It could be victory from a besetting sin or habits that have held you down. It could be about making a decision to be in the Word regularly. It could be that God has put someone in your heart 
and he wants you to share about his love to them it could be reaching out to your family member that you're estranged and god is pushing you in that direction small things and a lot of you uh, for us even at 180 chicago you know this is new ground for us god has pushed us into new ground it was a step of faith and for a lot of you it is as well what is god calling you to do here at 180 chicago i know god wants to use your unique gifts and and the things that he's given you to edify the body of christ and that takes a step of faith in fact even next week pastor carl and our elders they'll be sharing with you some of the things that god is doing and just the way forward take a step of faith get into the new ground and you can you will see god work even as we close even as pastor cory sings over us today i love for us to just reflect what is god calling us to do what is god calling you to do or reflect on god's faithfulness in your life and even as you think about that just thank god for his faithfulness let's take a couple of minutes all i want is to live in your presence all i want is to sing hallelujah forever i will worship you forever all i want is to stand in your glory all i want is to tell of the story of love the love that lasts forever all i want is to live in your presence all i want is to sing hallelujah forever i will worship you your presence your presence is with us and we get to see you in action the god of wonders god i just pray today that you would empower us by the power of your spirit to not just hear this truth but to deep but to have it ingrained in our hearts so that even when that even when trials come that we know that you are with us and we remember your past faithfulness and we move forward in faith god thank you and god i just pray even this week even as we think through what 
new ground you're calling us into, we just pray, would you help us? Would you put that thought in our minds of where you want us to go and help us to really move towards in that direction, God? We just give you all glory, honor, and praise. Be magnified. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope you were blessed by the worship and the word. Just a few announcements. If you are a first-time guest, just stop by the info kiosk. We'd love to get a gift to you. We also have our membership class, 180 Discovery, this Saturday right here. So if you haven't signed up, you could do that at the info kiosk as well. Two really important announcements. Next Sunday, we only have one service, and it's the 9.30 a.m. service. We, uh, When we rented this facility, one of the things that they asked was they already had an event going on next Sunday, so we have to leave early. So we're just doing one service that's going to be the one at 9.30. So if there's any friends and family that were not here, just pass the word along. Just one service, and but the online service is going to be broadcast at 11, so that's, that'll be the same thing. Um, um, also, Christmas is here. We're going to have a great Christmas Eve service. Uh, in a few weeks, we have, we'll be having the 9.30 a.m. and the 11 a.m. service. I found out this week, I was reading a statistic where it says 82% of people would attend a church if invited by someone. Think about that. 8 out of 10 people, your friends, would attend a church if you invited them. And Christmas Eve is a great time to invite people. It'd be a great opportunity. That family member or your friend that you've been praying for to get saved, Bring them on. It's going to be a great time of uh, talking about what Jesus has done and just a celebration of the gift of uh, salvation through what Jesus has done. So there's going to be flyers, a bunch of flyers. Uh, you know, the ushers are going to have them. So get as much as you can. Invite your friends. We'll see you here next Sunday at 9.30, not 11. Have a great week. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes.